Podcast listeners, welcome to podcast number 88. We have a wonderful special guest today with Dr. Megan and myself. We have Cindy Lasher, who is a hypnotherapist. So yay, and welcome to the show, Cindy. So excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And Dr. Megan, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am lovely. It is beautiful and sunny here in Chicago, so... I'm actually hanging clothes on the line. <laughs> well, it is almost Christmas, so well, I hope they're not frozen by the time you get out there. You know what? So. It's 46 here today, so I'm hoping in beautiful Minnesota, it's lovely as well. Um, I, it is a nice day. I don't think that we can complain about the weather. Absolutely so. not. Doesn't matter even if we do complain, it doesn't change it. <laughs> so Cindy, you are a hypnotherapist, a hypnotist, and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your practice, how long you've been a hypnotist and what got you into that field. Sure. Awesome. Um, I got into this field. This is as it is for probably most hypnotherapists, a second career for me. Um, my first career was as a, a corporate trainer and I, uh, Took my my graduate degree, my master's in leadership at Augsburg uh, University here in, in in St. Paul, and I focused on coaching and consulting. And I got exposed to life coaching, and I fell in love with the model, and wanted to start my own business, um, but was kind of nervous about the model of life coaching because. It doesn't offer, and, and this is no offense to life coaches out there. I know that you can niche down and you would really need to because um, my understanding at the time of life coaching was that it was too soft of a benefit for me to see it doing well and riding through any kind of economic downturns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I played around a little bit and discovered hypnotherapy, which allows you to offer uh, shorter term work with people very solid, defined outcome-based benefits. You know, you go in, you quit smoking, you you get on the path to, to, to lose weight, reframe, you know, how your mind um, sees that relationship between you and food, get rid of uh, a phobia, a fear, you know, learn to, to manage your anxieties, um, all kinds of very tangible outcome-based results for people that I thought, you know, no matter what the economy does, people are going to be looking for those kinds of solutions. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me then that, you know, my, my dad had been a, a hypnotherapist as well as he worked for the Department of Corrections in Michigan for 30 years. Uh, he was a, an MSW, master social worker. And so he worked with um, incarcerated young men who had made some poor decisions in their life. And hypnosis was one of the tools that he used with them to help them to start to see themselves in a different way, to release some of the stuff from their past that had gotten them into the situations they were in, and to start to be able to imagine themselves in a different way so that they could move into their future in that different way. Because unless you can imagine it, you you really can't, can't achieve it. 
So I do have um, to ask, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no. I did have a question about then your dad. Was it the similar situation where he had his master's of social work first and um, that training and then incorporated the yeah. hypnotherapy into his work? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know where he took his training because he passed away before I started down this path myself. And so I have so many questions that I would love to be able to ask him. But mm. uh, he was a darned good hypnotist. He hypnotized me a number of times. I watched him hypnotize other people. He really had excellent training, knew his stuff. I was, you know, so now that I have those eyes to look back on it with, I'm even more impressed with him. Yeah. <laughs> good job, dad. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take a second yet to uh, say good job to him. So, yeah. but one of the things I think is interesting. And the reason I asked that is, you know, you mentioning it's your second career and you mentioning that he sort of started to incorporate this into the other work he was doing um, at the correctional facility was that I do find that a lot, that a lot of times after people get into working with individuals, whether it be, you know, in a medical sense, in a social work sense, but just really working with people, they realize that they have to tap into other resources. Uh, and obviously the connection, uh, that hypnosis will have with the mind and, you know, with preconceived notions and things like that, that are holding us back that are more than just sort of that, science thing that we have to get beyond, you know, like changing physiology or things like that. Like a lot of times we have to tap into resources. And I do find that from a lot of colleagues and people I know that after they really get into actual working with people and clinical work, that they realize they need more tools in their tool belt. Right. Right. Yeah. And I hear, hear that from our students all the time. You know, we have the, the school, which is a, a state licensed school of hypnotherapy, uh, one of only three in the state of Minnesota. So and what's the name of your school? Midwest Hypnotherapy Academy, okay, which you can find out at MidwestHypnotherapyAcademy.com or MHAschool.com. I grabbed a shorter URL to, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a mouthful, right? We, yeah. we can feel you on that button, believe me. Yeah, yeah exactly. You guys have the, the long, uh, yep. the long moniker as well. Yep. Yep. Um, and so we've, we've had a lot of students who are uh, registered nurses, um, uh, practicing psychiatrists, PhDs, uh, and, and they are back for, uh, another, another set of skills. And I've, I, I had, uh, one of our clients or one of our students who just finished the, uh, um, uh, medical hypnotherapy portion of our training here this last month. And she came and stopped in and, and talked to me for a bit here just this week. And she, she said, you know, this is so wonderful because it gives me a totally different framework for how I do my work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be asking my patients totally different questions and I'm going to have a totally different way of listening and a different set of ears on now. Um, and so she finds it invaluable in her work. So I guess a good place to really start then for education is to answer the question, what exactly is, um, you know, hypnosis and what is it and what is it not? Because I think a lot of people might have preconceived notions, but not really know exactly what it is. Right, exactly. And, and those are definitely the right questions. Um, hypnosis, a lot of myths and misconceptions persist, even though hypnosis is becoming much more popular, much more accept, accepted, uh, much more accessible. Um, but when you see it portrayed on TV and in, in, in movies, you know, it persists that it's portrayed as though it's something that's being done to a person, that somebody hypnotizes you. And, you know, there's the whole Bengali thing of, you know, are, is the hypnotist 
in control? Do you have to be weak-minded and hand over your will to the hypnotist? Are you going to do things that you don't want to do because you're under somebody's power um, and then not be able to remember any of it? And the answer to all of that is no. So you, you know, will not it, make us balk like chickens when we're done with the show today? We'll, we'll be good. We'll still be Megan and Wendy. Only if you desire. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> answer. That's it. So what you're saying in a nutshell, too, is the power doesn't lie in you as the practitioner. What you're doing is tapping into resources uh, in a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's really the, the intent with all of the work that we do, um, both overtly and subtext, you know, under the under the the hood, so to speak, is to move people into a state of self-empowerment where they realize that they have the resources within themselves, that the actions, the behaviors they've been engaging in in the past have been their subconscious mind's idea of a solution to a problem. Hmm. And there's a whole concept that we work with and that's uh, foundational to our, to our, to our work is the, the idea that the, the problem, the symptom is a solution. And so as an example to that, I had a gentleman, one of my very first clients going on nine years ago now, and he came to me, he needed to lose some weight. Um, Long story short, he was only sleeping two and a half hours a night and he had sleep apnea. And so it was like clockwork. He would sleep two and a half hours exactly every night. And so got him into hypnosis, asked his subconscious mind, what does this man need to do to know or to understand to get a good night's sleep through the night. And it came out that his sub, his subconscious mind was preventing him from sleeping because it knew he had sleep apnea, but it didn't know anything about the CPAP machine. That was brand new and it had no idea what it was doing or that it was helping that situation and keeping his airway open. But it did know that when he fell asleep at night, he would stop breathing. And the subconscious mind also knows that if you stop breathing, you could die. Mm -hmm. And so it was using insomnia as a solution to keep him from dying in his sleep. I think that's really interesting because when you say, I like that you say the symptom is a solution. Um, And I think that we see this a lot is that a lot of people's symptoms are coming because their body's just trying to survive and they get out of that thrive. So they're no longer at optimal levels of certain things. They're just trying to survive. So I think it is interesting. And that connection a lot of times goes to the subconscious mind that I think a lot of us, I feel like a lot of people, I shouldn't say are afraid of the subconscious mind, but maybe um, don't embrace it the way they should. What do you see with your clinical practice? Because obviously this is the part of health you deal with all the time. Right. And a lot of people I don't think are aware of what the subconscious mind is. Um, certainly don't have a relationship with it. And that is part of the, you know, the result of the, you usually do six sessions with people. Sometimes we do more. Uh, But during that course of the six sessions, we give people a real understanding of what is the subconscious mind? How is it different from the conscious mind? What is the subconscious mind doing for you? Because you are your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is you. One way to think of the subconscious mind is it is the wisdom of the body. 
Wisdom of the body. It is the wisdom of the body. And so, you know, it's, it's wise, but it's not always smart. <laughs> I like to say, you know, so, um, you know, it, it, it's looking for solutions for you. Everything it's doing, it's doing for you. It has a positive intent, but because it's wise, but not necessarily smart, um, sometimes those solutions are other than what we would prefer on a conscious basis. Okay. Kind of like, yep. Well, okay. I get that you're doing that to, to make me feel better in some way, but by golly, I would love to have you have a deeper understanding of, you know, maybe a broader understanding of, of, of the context of my life so that we can agree on a better solution that still meets the need. So that's kind of what we do really. So my question then is, and this is strictly because I find this fascinating and really am interested when you then get somebody into hypnosis or, you know, similar to if people really utilize meditation, are you then trying to get the subconscious mind to override the conscious or the conscious to override the subconscious? Neither. Okay. What we're really looking to do is to <laughs> I missed <laughs> <laughs> See, none of the above. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Try again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Please educate now. Please advise. The, the father of modern hypnotherapy, Milton Erickson, um, one of his wonderful quotes is that all people's problems arise due to a lack of rapport between the conscious and subconscious minds. So we're not looking to have one supersede the other. We're looking to have them meet Okay. and open up if you could imagine a pipeline or a bridge of communication and understanding between the two so that your conscious desires and goals can then be understood by your subconscious mind, which then goes, Oh, you want that. <laughs> oh, well, I Thanks for to- phoning in and telling me <laughs> yeah, now. Right, exactly. Well, I get it. Exactly. So for example, you know, and I know we don't have video here, but, um, when, when we have new clients, we go through a whole spiel, you know, understanding what the subconscious mind is, what we call the model of the mind discussion. And then we have them do a couple of really enjoyable, fun experiences before we go into a formal state of hypnosis. And one of those experiences is to grow the fingers on one of their hands. Have you, either of you ever experienced that? No. (laughs) Okay. So, so, you know, to, to paint this, you know, verbal picture for you, I have them line up their hands using the, the, the lines at the base of the wrist. So they know that they're already always lining them up the same way. So they've got that guide. My husband made me draw lines with a pen. I'm like, okay. So, cause those are better than the lines that are already at the base of your wrist. Yeah, right. You're already (laughs) built in with those. So, okay. Hey, if his, if his conscious mind needs it, let's, you know, know, (laughs) let's meet him where he's at. Right. (laughs) You always have to. And so if you put your hands then together in in prayer shape, right, then you'll see for most of us, we've got one set of fingers that's shorter than the other. Some people are nicely symmetrical and they don't. But but in any case, we either take the shorter set of fingers or the finger set of fingers that we choose if they're symmetrical and we stick those up in the air. We put the other hand down in the lap, have them close their eyes and imagine sending energy and and, uh, 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 growing power into those fingers and basically just simply chant longer and longer, 
stretching and growing longer and longer, stretching and growing longer and longer, stretching and growing. Imagine those fingers growing, send some energy. If you're doing this as you're listening to this podcast, stick that hand with the shorter fingers up into the air, longer and longer, stretching and growing longer and longer, stretching and growing, see them growing, feel them growing, hear them growing, imagine them growing in whatever way works for you, longer and longer, stretching and growing longer and longer, stretching and growing. And then we have them open their eyes line their hands back up in the same way and boom i mean well you guys can probably see mine look at that wow yeah. they're here they're here now i don't know so, megan i'm feeling some chickens coming on here right some chickens some some chickens <laughs> now, how did that happen for those of you who are listening and and participating in that you know that is a real result there's no yeah. trickery there's no trickery involved in that i mean i'm not even in the room with you so right. it's not it's not a, a an illusion like magicians practice it's what i like to call real magic. It's the magic of your mind. Mm -hmm. It's the ability of your mind and your body working in concert together with your conscious desires, which is not what most people go through life getting. They have conscious desires and they keep banging up against this wall and wondering why they're getting something other than what they want. Your subconscious mind really does want to give you the results that you desire, but most people don't communicate to it in, in a way that's effective. And so what just happened is through, through a very quick trance, um, we, we gave your subconscious mind the message that you want those fingers to be longer. And so it went ahead and it pushed extra blood and, you know, that, you know, fluid into your, into your fingers and in between the bones of your joints, your finger joints to make those fingers as long as they can possibly be momentarily, temporarily, because all that, you know, is going to go back to normal and they're going to shrink back down. But the point is how quickly your subconscious mind gives you what you want when you're asking in the right way. And the other point is that what is in that space in your mind that's labeled that's impossible that doesn't belong in there? Because if I'd walked up to you on the street earlier today and I said, hey, quick, grow your fingers because there's this raisin in the bottom of the box and I can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have said that's impossible and you're nuts. Right. <laughs> and I would have agreed with the latter part, but not with the former. I may be nuts, but that's not impossible. And what else is in that bucket in your mind labeled impossible that is only there because you haven't experienced it and you haven't had the, the, the right language and the right method to communicate to your subconscious mind? It's well, powerful. And I think, too, so many times people, they don't know why their subconscious is doing what it's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know why I'm only sleeping two and a half hours. I don't know why I'm addicted to donuts. Why but, I'm sabotaging relationships. Things right. Like that. Exactly. Right. So, you know, your your subconscious mind is doing what it thinks that it should be doing to protect you. But our conscious mind can't wrap its thought process around that, I guess. Right. So so this is what you do is that you get them to align together and for us to be able to understand why each part does what it does. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Precisely. Why, piggybacking off her question, why do you think people are so afraid of the subconscious mind? Because just to play the devil's advocate, as you were bringing us through that, you know, um, whole uh, exercise, at first I was like, as you were going through those words, it was like, I had to give you, I had to open up my mind to listen to you to mm -hmm. say those things. And at first I was like, oh gosh, like what kind of power is she taking from me? Like you've said. And then I realized, well, no, this is just the power of my own brain. But then still I was like, oh geez, like what am I tapping into right now? So why do you think, and I just know that that's sort of a, it's I a, know there are other people that are thinking that too. So why do you think people are so afraid of the subconscious mind mm -hmm. and tapping into it 
and strengthening it and utilizing it. Yeah, hypnotoad. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. Wait, are you name calling me? Remember the old the old Futurama cartoon? They had hypnotoad, and uh, you will do whatever the toad says, right? right? Uh, um, this I podcast think- just took a turn for the worst. <laughs> yeah, you're the first guest to call me a name. I'll accept it though. No, no, not you, not you. Okay. You're, no, Megan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's that it's that um, that Svengali mythology that persists, and it continues to persist because that's how hypnosis is portrayed in TV shows and movies. Um, you know, and so once you get beyond that and when people sign up for lessons with us or, or, or sessions, um, there's a whole series of, uh, videos that I've put together that really give them kind of a mini course in hypnosis. So they can understand that if you resist consciously, then there's no way you're going to get the benefits that you desire okay. or anything else because hypnosis is a state of allowing. It's a, it's a permiss- permission-based state. I can't hypnotize anybody against their will. And in fact, in hypnosis, we've got a saying that uh, it goes, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis because in fact, I'm not in your mind. I'm not a mind reader. Um, I understand human behavior with regards to getting into a meditative or trance state because from a from a neurology basis, if you were to hook somebody up to an EEG, meditation and hypnosis are pretty much the same. Well, actually, they are the same um, from a from a from a neurology basis. Um, it's it's about the brain waves and what they're doing and reducing the beta brain waves, which are the brain waves of of thinking. Um, and those speedy brain waves will keep you awake at night, will move you into states of worry, anxiety, and panic, uh, and will certainly keep you from going in a nice state of trance. Um, and Increasing those slower, um, more contemplative brain waves, alpha and theta. And so if you've ever, and I've, I've rarely run into somebody who hasn't experienced this because we go into trance states naturally during the day. We don't take advantage of them because we don't know to be giving ourselves suggestions, right? But if you've ever sat and maybe you're at your desk at work or whatever, and you're just at a, at a point where your energetic you know, low and you're, you find, you catch yourself just staring mm-hmm. at something or really more like towards something. Cause you're really not looking at it. You're just, your eyes are just fixed and your whole body becomes very, very still and your thoughts kind of turn off and you're just sort of in a little state of torpor <laughs> until somebody comes up and like snaps their fingers and says, hello, earth right. to Jan or whatever. Right. right? And then you snap out and you may even snap out with a bit of a, of a surprise uh, because when you are in that trance state, because that's what that is, is a naturally occurring trance state, um, the world goes away and it becomes your internal world that becomes your reality. And so that person snapping their fingers at you isn't supposed to be there. And it breaks the reverie and it's like, oh, it's a little abrupt. Um, and so if you can relate to that experience, then for, for sure you have already been in, in the neurological state that this is. And we can teach you how to utilize that state to achieve things that you want to achieve in your life. So if you've come upon somebody in that state, so, you know, like I, I know many times when I'm in meetings or whatever, you know, you get into this point where you're just like, you start to glaze over. Yeah. That would be the good time then to be 
I guess, contemplative of yourself and to to really start to put those positive thoughts. Or like if I come upon my husband and he's in that, I could really start to help him to put some, you know, good thoughts or, you know. To change those trances to meditation? Absolutely. Yeah, you actually could. That's an excellent time because people are more suggestible then. Um, and so you actually could do somebody a world of good. That'd be a great time to say, you know, honey, you are great at so many things and just drop it in. And it's, there's a number of ways that people go into a natural state of hypnosis, uh, a momentary trance state. Confusion will take you into trance. And so if you, if you use language that confuses someone and then fire in a positive suggestion, Hey, you're going to do great on that test tonight. Oh, that's interesting can confuse them with something like, Hey, are your socks, are you sure that your left and right socks are on this other, other correct feet? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So well tonight, you know? Right. So, so when that's you, when the you best come... time to intercept then, uh, subliminal messages. Right. Is when their brain is sort of in that state of awareness, uh, or, uh, trance. That's, that's one opportunity. You know, okay. if you can't, if you, if you don't, if you aren't trained in hypnosis and you, and you don't have the permission to sit them down and do a full, a full hypnosis session, that is a way to do some good in people's world. You know, one of the, one of the things that we uh, work with, with parents when they have children who come in, cause we do pediatric hypnosis as well, is to, to set up a situation where the child doesn't think that, you know, that they're listening. Mm-hmm. And to share, you know, like you're on the phone pretending even that you're on the phone with with your best friend or with grandma and with the idea that, you know, the kid thinks you're out of earshot or the kid thinks they're sneaking up behind you and listening in and that you don't know and say wonderful things about that kid. And that will go so much further than telling that to the kid right directly to their face. I can totally relate to those situations. Somebody, you you know, somebody's peeking around on the staircase, you know, listening to every word mom and dad are talking about. So mm-hmm. I can completely relate to that. Yep. And make sure that it's positive and it's wonderful. And the reason why is because that, you know, that is so trusted. Mm-hmm. They have no reason to doubt. They have no reason to, you know, to think, wow, you know, you're just saying that because you're my mom or anything like that. Um, and so those suggestions drop right into the subconscious mind. Hmm, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you when said I, that when you do your sessions, your therapy sessions, and you do you typically do them one-on-one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said you, you like to do six. Do you typically do more or is six seem to be a good sweet spot for everything that you need to get accomplished. Six is a good sweet spot for things outside of um, some longer term weight release issues where people have, you know, a significant amount of weight to lose and and desire to have that support on an ongoing basis. It allows us to meet resistance when it comes up at different points along the way um, because they're, you know, the, the subconscious mind is really kind of wired to keep things the same mm-hmm. because the the logic in the subconscious mind is different than the logic of the conscious mind. Consciously, we can say, look, you know, we're going to be so much healthier and we're going to live longer and we're going to thrive when we lose this excess weight. And the subconscious mind, for whatever reason, it's got to hold on to that weight, um, basically says, you know what? We are alive right now. And therefore, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
you know, if what we've been doing up until now has worked and we're still alive, then, then the subconscious mind is very conservative about changing because change in, always involves an unknown. And so if you change from what is known to what is unknown, how do I know that that's going, going to be good for my survival? And that's the number one consideration of the subconscious mind is your survival. And some people say the subconscious mind is lazy, but I really would rather characterize it as the subconscious mind is conservative. It's going to make a change when it realizes um, through the various kinds of work that we do that that change is going to be at least as appropriate to your survival as what you've been doing in the past. Do you also find that it's also hard? Cause I know like weight really fascinates me cause I've worked with a lot of weight loss and I've worked obviously with a lot of the clinical part of weight loss and, uh, metabolic situations. But I do find the other thing about weight that is so crazy is the identity of weight. Right. And yeah. so, and for instance, like I worked with a lady once where we really did a lot of things, but we kept reaching these roadblocks. And there were two things like couldn't think of herself as a skinnier version of herself. But the other interesting thing is that when she went back, and did some meditation work, she really realized it was because she was a very powerful CEO of a company. And so she had put on weight back in the eighties because she didn't want to be viewed as a smaller, sexier version of herself. She wanted to be powerful and she wanted to be uh, approached in the business setting as herself for her, not her looks. And I mean, it's a very, it was very deep rooted. There was a lot of things that came from it, but I thought it was very interesting because she truly had a hard time identifying uh, with a smaller version of herself because she had held on to this identity for so long. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing to me, the subconscious, how it can override um, physiology and conscious and all of that too. Right. So this is a situation where you have a conflict of values. Okay. And so part of her values is to be taken seriously in a business context, to be um, seen for, you know, her mind and what she brings to the table in that, in that way. Um, and then she has another val value to, in other situations in her life, be seen as healthy, thin, fit, and for her own reasons of, you know, being comfortable in her own skin. And so when those values conflict, that's where hypnosis becomes really, um, uh, a really solid tool. Um, and so, for example, we had a client, uh, a couple of years back, she was 62 and God bless her, you know, still working at solving this nut of, um, of, of why she couldn't release weight and, and keep it off. And she had started to gain weight when she was 13 years old. And with an age regression, which is one of the techniques we use to uncover these reasons why the subconscious mind um, uh, starts to run a particular program, if you will. When she was four years old, she'd been at a family gathering and one of her aunts had, had made the statement, not to her, but to the room in general, the women in our family are either overweight or alcoholic. That's just the way it is. Oh. And so kind of like the, the kid listening around the stairs, right. that carried more weight with that child because it wasn't said directly to her. Mm -hmm. And of course, this was an authority, an adult. Um, and so that, that suggestion, that idea just sort of nestled itself into the back of the subconscious mind and was accepted as fact. The subconscious mind only accepts things as 100% true or not at all. And so that was a truth now in her mind. Uh, so she 
proceeded to grow up. And when she was 11 years old, her father was killed in a drunk driving accident. And so she said to herself, I will never touch alcohol. So therefore, she had to gain weight because it's either I'm an alcoholic or I'm overweight. Right. And so when she was 13 years old, she started to have her menses. And her mother said to her, now you're a woman. And so if you look back at that original suggestion, the women in our family are either overweight or alcoholic. That's just the way it is. And so now that she was a woman, she needed to put on weight because in order to be a part of the family. And that's really the important part of that suggestion. Because if you're not part of your family, then who are you? Mm-hmm. See, this speaks directly to your survival. And the subconscious mind's number one prime directive, if you will, if you're a Trekkie fan, um, <laughs> is the survival of the organism. Not thriving, right? surviving. And so for her survival to be a part of her family, she had to be one or the other. And since she couldn't be an alcoholic, she had to put on weight and she had to maintain that weight. No matter what she did, she could lose some weight, but then it could come right back on. And so changing her behaviors, you know, and learning about calories in and calories out and and, and all that stuff would, you know, she was she was actually a nutrition coach. Oh boy. Because <laughs> she had studied it so much mm-hmm. that she had actually made that her, her career. Um, and so she was a darn good nutrition coach from the aspect of understanding the, you know, the metabolic and all of that and, you know, the, the chemistry. And she could quote you a chapter and the realization through that, that session. Um, she actually broke trance herself. Her eyes popped open. She jumped out of the chair. She danced a jig, grabbed her purse and ran out of the office. <laughs> Because she was so happy. And she did eventually. She came back. She's like, oh, my gosh. And proceeded to to lose weight easily without really making any effortful changes. Well, and I do think that that, uh, you know, population with weight loss, I think that the more that I get into it clinically and the more that I work with people with weight loss, the more I realize that there is a huge connection to what people are holding on to along with their weight. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know you can learn it out of a textbook. And I think that's one of the reasons we have such a hard time to grasp it because I do think everybody is different with it. But I will say the more that I work with people um, and, you know, weight maintenance, weight loss and things like that, there are so many things that go into it besides what we know physiologically uh, with metabolism uh, and calorie counting and energy. uh, It's the why. Yeah. You know, it's that why Mm -hmm. question. So did you also say then that you you teach this? You have a school that you work with and you, you actually teach people to do this so they can add this on or change a life course or whatever? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, the Midwest Hypnotherapy Academy, uh, we're a state licensed school here in Minnesota. Um, and you know, we teach a, a complete program, taking people from you know absolutely just an interest and all the way through uh, medical hypnotherapy. We are a school for the International Medical and Dental Hypnotherapy Association. And uh, so they are the really the premier organization for hypnotherapy for professionals uh, from a pro- professional association. Um, it's the only hypnotherapy uh, professional association that is allowed to participate at pain week um, down in Las Vegas every year. Um, that is otherwise only for people that are medical professionals with medical licenses. Um, we're the we're the only ones uh, invited to participate in that. Um, Megan, and- let's let's not go to Pain Week. That does not sound like something I'd like to participate. <laughs> I think in. they're trying to solve it, not cause it. <laughs> they need well, to rename that. In, yeah, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> they issue, you know, some some buzzers and things. <laughs> yeah, right. The whole week of pain. She was going to get us chalk or balking like chickens. I know exactly. <laughs> so, how long is your school? How long is the program, and does it does that take? Uh, if you take the whole thing, it is twelve months of training. Okay. Yep. And is it is it forty hours a week, or do you do it online? Do you have to be present? No. Uh, what it is is we work on a sort of a what would I would consider a mentorship apprenticeship model, and so I take no more than three students at a time. Jody Kimmel also takes three or four students at a time. And so we, we set up times to meet as a group and then also meet individually. Uh, the first level is a six-month program. There's yeah obviously work to do outside of the classroom, readings, practice, practicum uh, sessions to build up your skill sets as you build up your, your knowledge base. Can anyone take it or are there any prereqs for people before they start? There are no real prereqs, although we do, we are so exclusive. We take so few people that we do screen people and we have to have uh, an interview and, and talk to people and see if they're the right fit for the program. Um, but no, we've had people from all walks of life. We've had registered nurses and, um, practicing psychiatrists. And we've also had people who are, um, dental assistants and um, security guards, Hmm. you know? Interesting. So Mm -hmm. what, so then I guess that, that leads me to my question is I'm a health coach. Can, I could do this essentially as another, you know, venue for my services that I provide. And then, but can you, can you hypnotize yourself? Yes. Whoa. Okay. Sign me up for the class. I'm there. <laughs> and, and that's called hypnosis. I, I may know a girl who might have a bit of an addiction to donuts. I may know uh-huh. one. I just may. You might. Just, 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 just a friend of yours, right? Just a girl I know in passing is all I'm going to say. So, okay. So self, yeah. hip, self, hip, self hypnosis, easy for me to say yeah. it, that would be more like that meditative state that you're talking about. So it would really cross right. over. Right. Okay. And, uh, I've been teaching self hypnosis at Normandale community college for about eight years now. And I also teach it at, uh, at, at my own school. Um, self hypnosis is that practice of learning to, first of all, what hypnosis is to you. Um, and hypnosis is a, a subjective state. So how it feels to me, how it feels to you, how it feels to Dr. Megan, we may all come out and say, you know, a little bit something different. I might say, wow, I feel like I, I lost track of my body and it's like I didn't even have one. And uh, you may come out and say, wow, I felt like I weighed, you know, like I was made out of lead and like I couldn't move my arms. And Megan might come out and say, I felt like I was drifting on a cloud, like I was light as a feather. And all of those are the kinds of things that people will, will report in, in, in their self-hypnosis or hypnosis experiences. And so while it is um, subjective and unique and individual to a person, it also, the experience falls on a range of what's normal. And so in the self-hypnosis course, I guide people into a number of trances so that they can start to map out for themselves, what does hypnosis feel like to me? And what is the process of getting into hypnosis? And then we anchor people to a process and the subconscious mind loves association. If you continue to do A and it, that elicits B, then those become linked together. And so from now on, anytime you do A, your body knows to start heading towards B. Mm. And so I've got a lot of people nowadays that if I start to count backwards from five down to zero, I know I'm going to lose them because <laughs> right. they're anchored to that as their induction into, into the hypnotic state. So if- And that's what they use for themselves. When you, so say for example, like I, I'm doing the self-hypnosis, 
can I, can I figure out like my subconscious mind, like your, like your weight loss woman, can I ever get there and figure out that this is something that a relative said 23 years ago, or is that more of, of a situation where I would have to be involved with you? Right. You know, and that's, that's the kind of thing that for most people, you're going to reach there much more quickly and, and be much more guaranteed of, of, of uncovering that kind of information or whatever, you know, whatever the proper information is okay. um, by being guided with somebody who understands techniques and can, and can facilitate that um, more professionally for you. For most people, self-hypnosis is a, a good method for delivering positive suggestions directly to the subconscious mind. And I'm sure you've heard of affirmations, which are delivered to the mind in a conscious state. Um, The problem with that being that in a conscious state, you've got what uh, a mental filter that is active and we call it the, the critical factor or the critical faculty of the mind. And that critical faculty is designed to only accept into the subconscious mind that which is already in agreement with what's in the subconscious mind all, uh, already. Right. Right. So if I have a, an identity piece, a program running that says I need to be heavy in order to be part of my family, and I use on a conscious basis affirmations like um, I find it easy to be thin whatever the case may be, um, then the, the critical faculty is going to look at that and go, um, that doesn't match what I already know about myself and this world. And so it gets kicked right back out, Okay, which is why people find it so difficult to make changes using their conscious mind and willpower because it bounces against that critical faculty. And the only thing that's going to get through is what already reinforces what's already there. Okay. So in hypnosis, that critical faculty relaxes. Um, it's actually a, a function of a part of the limbic system um, called the anterior cingulate cortex, for those of you nerds who are into that kind of thing. And with that part of the limbic system relaxed, then the subconscious mind goes back into learning mode. And when it goes back into learning mode, we can revise, amend, and and replace the ideas, the programs that are already in that subconscious mind. And so delivering those same kinds of positive suggestions, affirmations are well, well, um, you know, well developed as far as suggestions goes. They're, they're positive. They're in the current, you know, the present state, all that good stuff. But when the anterior cingulate cortex is relaxed as uh, a result of being in hypnosis, um, then the subconscious mind goes, oh, okay, I'm going to put this in here too. And once you've put that in there enough times, then it, it starts to supersede and, and re- place the information that was in there before. And so that's a good way to use um, self-hypnosis. The the age regression, parts therapy, those are what we call hypnoanalytical techniques. And those need to be facilitated by a hypnotherapist. Okay. Awesome. Good questions. Um, Will you also just quickly touch on other like client populations that do well with it? I know smoking cessation, things like that. Um, Sports, uh, just different client populations that you've worked with that you see really do well with hypnosis and really tapping into the subconscious mind? Absolutely. Good question. Yeah, we, we really work with 
all types of issues. We do sports hypnosis. We've worked with a number of uh, Ironmen and I've worked with uh, Olympic athletes. Uh, I do a lot of work personally with anxiety, um, fears and phobias. That is a sort of a sweet spot for me. Um, I enjoy working with that population. Um, so anything from fear of driving or fear of flying or fear of, you know, fill in the blank. I've seen, I've seen a lot of things that I never even thought of being afraid of pretty much you name it. There's somebody out there who's afraid of it mm-hmm. because fears form as associations that the mind is very associative. Um, so pretty much anything out there, somebody's got a fear of it and it, it all releases very well in hypnosis. Sleep is another big category. Um, sleep plays into anxieties. Sleep plays into, um, uh, 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 you know, focus and concentration and ability to do academics. Sleep plays into weight release um, or weight gain really is what mm-hmm. lack of sleep plays into. Um, Jody specializes in working with people who have autism and also support for their families. And he gets fantastic results with that. By golly, what else? Um, working with people with cancer, um, both while they're um, undergoing chemo treatments to give them a different place to go to while they're having those treatments. And we can also reduce the the sensations of nausea um, and the discomfort associated with treatments um, and also give them give them back their energy and uh, accelerated healing when they're, you know, post-treatment. There are so many applications. So um, then I have to ask the counter question. I know you talked about, obviously, if someone comes in and they're resisting consciously, then they're not necessarily a great uh, candidate for hypnotherapy because of the fact that they're going to resist consciously what you're trying to bring up in the subconscious. But is there any other patient populations that you would proceed with caution? Um, like I think maybe like PTSD or something where there's maybe a reason that their brain is protecting them against certain subconscious memories or... Right. Well, PTSD actually responds very well to hypnosis. Um, and that is, that would fall into the category of medical hypnotherapy or medical hypnosis. And we do work on referral, um, with a lot of clients with things like PTSD. Schizophrenia is one area that we often, um, you know, would say not to, you know, you, you certainly with any of these, of course, you're going to talk to to the doctor and ask for a medical referral. And if the doctor doesn't see it as as a good uh, complementary um, therapy uh, for whatever the case may be, then they're going to say so. Um, and of course, you must abide by that. I did have one client or one potential client. He uh, wanted to um, stop smoking, and he had schizophrenia. And of course, my intake paperwork asks if you have any current diagnoses. And he said he had schizophrenia, so I, I petitioned for the medical referral to work with him. And his doctor said no, because apparently the medication that he was on for schizophrenia, um, there is a, an interaction with the nicotine. And so it was important for him at that point in time to continue to have the consistent amount of nicotine in his system. So it what? was literally not good for him to stop smoking right then. That is crazy. I know. And I would have never known, no. but that's why when we work with something that has a, a medical diagnosis that we right. seek that referral and work with the physician. So fascinating. The it mind is. is crazy, just yeah. like a computer. You know, it just does all of these things that are just amazing. Just, I have no other words for it. It's just amazing what your brain can do. Yeah. And we really are, the, the, the computer analogy actually works very, very well. 
Mm-hmm. I think we've created computers in our own image. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I do want to give some of your resources again for those listeners. So I know, and we haven't touched on this yet, but I know you also do a radio show and it's called Hypnotic Radio Hour, correct? Yes, it is. So if people are listening to this and they say, wow, this is fascinating. I would like to listen to some more of what Cindy Lasher has to say. How can they find you um, and find more of that information that you have out there, both for people interested for themselves and then also if they're interested in the Midwest Hypnotherapy Academy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Probably one of the best places to go is minnesotahypnosis.com. And there is a tab out there that uh, has all of our radio shows. We have like 50 episodes out there. Um, And minnesotahypnosis.com is also our our practice website. So you can find information on all of the different things we do um, right up to and including. We also do... uh, uh, childbirth hypnosis as well. So, um, that's another one that we didn't touch on. You could do a whole show on just that, Mm -hmm. um, which we will soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the school website of course is at Midwest hypnotherapy academy.com or mhaschool.com. If you want to type fewer letters in. Perfect. Wendy, do you have any other questions, comments, or concerns for Oh, I'm Wendy? sure I will. As soon as I hang up, I'm sure I'll come up with a whole slew of more. Th- but, you know, it might be pertinent to my friend who has the donut issue. So I'll just have to save <laughs> You're those You're going to pass later. that on to your friend. Oh, heck like yeah. Yes, they indeed. Come, <laughs> they come back at. So, um, well, thank you, Cindy, so much for coming on. It was just fascinating uh, and just great information. So we really thank you for coming and spending Uh, an hour here with Beyond the Basics Health Academy. Awesome. Thank you. It was wonderful to be on the air with you guys. Thank you so much. All right, Wendy, what do you have for the listeners? I have be kind to others. Take, especially during this time of the year, take good care of yourself and make good choices. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.